This is Food First Michigan on 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. Governor Whitmer created the Food Security Council in August 2020 and appointed me to be the chair. The council consists of the directors of state departments of Health and Human Services, Agriculture, Rural Development, Labor and Economic Opportunities, or their appointees. The Superintendent of Public Instruction, their designees, as well as 16 other members. The council is part of the governor's ongoing effort to improve food security in Michigan, which was a dream that we discussed on this show early in her candidacy. Certainly, the COVID-19 pandemic has expanded the impact of food insecurity on Michigan families. Cost-effective policies are highlighted in the Council's final report. These policies enhance federal and state programs and nutritional programs as well. They increase the role of charitable food assistance and they clinically integrate food as medicine programs into healthcare. All of these have the potential to decrease food insecurity and that's all contained in the report that you can find at fbcmich.org and look for the Food Security Council's report. Here today to help us understand the report in general and recommendation number 11 specifically, the potential impact it has on food security here in Michigan is our own Dr. Dawn Opal. She's a resident expert and slayer of all things that get in the way of creating a food secure state. Dawn joins me and Jerry Brisson next on this edition of Food First Michigan. Welcome back to the show, everyone. As promised, Dr. Dawn Opal rejoins Food First Michigan with Jerry Brisson, as always. So, Dawn, great to see you, and welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm hoping I get like the Five Timers Club jacket like on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it, I, I don't. I think the numbers are just going to go up from here. So uh, it, it, it's been a little while since we've had you on, but um, you know, there's been a pretty uh, cool development that has uh, occurred here in Michigan, um, and so. You know, the governor was on this show years ago as she was a candidate, and we discussed the concept of creating a food security commission task force. And um, in August of 2020, she created that task force. And, um, and we've been working on that since that time. And this, uh, this past Thursday, um, that final report was released. And um, so, Jerry, I think you read the press release. I read the press release and I read the report, uh, and and I I just can't say enough how someone I've been involved in this work for 35 years. We have never ever had anything like this. We we've had reports and we've had studies and we've done a lot of things. And not to take away from all the things that have been done, uh, to have a governor appoint a a food security council 
elevate that council, find ways to not only fund the work of the council, but also the recommendations of the council. And I know some of that is still ongoing, but then appoint the executive director of the Food Bank Council of Michigan to lead that council is something that I can just say almost brings me to tears. It, it is such a powerful and important role for food banks and for, for you, doctor. And I know it was a lot of work for you and Don to, to, to make this happen. And I just want to say I am so proud of, of you and the work you've done and, and, and eager to see how this leads us to the next level of food security in Michigan. We promised our listeners that we would have concrete evidence of success as a result of this work. And I, I think this is a huge example of what happens when you get the right people at the right time doing the right things. And you deserve a huge congratulations for the work that brought about this report. And I will say the work that's going to make these recommendations come alive. So congratulations and a job well done. Well, thanks, Jerry. Um, But, you know, honestly, um, I, I I would have to very quickly say and deflect that appreciation to Lou Rubel, the chief deputy director of opportunity at DHHS, a tremendous uh, he, guest on this show, but a tremendous leader in this work. But more, even more than Lou, and Lou would echo this in a heartbeat, uh, what you're reading in that very sophisticated report is, is the work of this entire Food Security Council, the work groups there, but then to make, make it all come together was really the work and the expertise and the intelligence of Dr. Opal here. So Dawn deserves probably the biggest shout out of anyone that's been involved in this work. And um, I'm not sure she really knew that when this Food Security Council popped up, how much work that would actually mean for her. <laughs> well, we didn't want to tell her. We, yeah. I mean, was, uh, what, what would have well, been the benefit of that? No, well, it would have been a bad strategy. But, Dawn, <laughs> thanks. You're here with us. Uh, thank you for, you know, really I, I, investing your soul in this work. And the result of, is a, what I'm going to say is a beautiful report that I think can really um, – make a difference in people's lives across Michigan. Well, thank you very much. But that being said, uh, I can only work with material that is provided to me. And I think the last page of the report uh, is, a, is a great attestment to the over 50 people that provided testimony from every sector of uh, Michigan, from government to industry, uh, food production, uh, food distribution, uh, the charitable food sector, agencies across the state, uh, healthcare organizations. Um, it was truly a, a coalitional uh, and collaborative project. Uh, and I, was, I feel very honored to have been able to bring to life uh, the work of so many people that are working in uh, the food security space in Michigan. Um, and there are so many. Um, so, I, so I would encourage everyone to take a look at that last page at all of the people that donated and devoted time, you know, and their efforts to this report. Well, I think it was pretty cool. And you can, you can find the report on our website at fbcmich.org and uh, look for the uh, final report from the Food Security Council. And you'll be able to see that. And you can look at that last page. Uh, Dawn, talk to us a little bit about the process. Um, 
we divided our the 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 food security council uh into work groups and uh they separated themselves they worked together and then they came back together to kind of make each other's work better uh what were some of the groups that we that were created and 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 what stood out to you from from some of the work of those groups yeah so i think that what i found really interesting is that the governor issued an executive order that gave us our marching orders for what the report should uh contain and and a lot of the items that she asked for were very evidence-based meaning that you know that we really needed to produce a research report that identified and analyzed the nature scope and causes of food insecurity in michigan that looked at other evidence-based policies really did an evaluation of those policies and then we made recommendations and so what i thought was really interesting is that our 24 member food security council many of those individuals are practitioner boots on the ground really working day in and day out to get food to people or to produce our food in michigan themselves so uh so we've got growers we've got folks who represent them we've got all the you know distributors we've got charitable food we've got government agencies and so so in these work groups, what they did was they, you know, essentially held what would look like, you know, congressional subcommittee hearings where they invited <laughs> testimony uh, and and uh, asked for experts to help guide them uh, in these various areas and um, compiled all of that information in folders that then my research team at the Food Bank Council uh, aggregated. And then, you know, part of what part of what we worked on is looking at the governor's executive order at her uh, at her five uh, requests of what we needed to do for the report and did some, you know, really some match matching up of what was produced by each work group and what she was asking for and really laid it out. Uh, and as you can imagine, because we had eight work groups, they worked really hard to uh, put together a lot of information. So we had to go through sort of a synthesis process to really get to a place where we felt like we were making a manageable number of recommendations in across the various areas from food sourcing to distribution um, and lots of different and innovative ways to do that. And so that is what you see uh, right in front of you is, uh, and I would also add that we worked with policy experts from uh, the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. We worked with some folks from the University of Michigan, uh, Gerald Ford School of Public Policy, you know, really tried to make sure that we were providing uh, policy recommendations that were actionable. Jerry, one of the things I wanted to get you to, to, to think about with us, maybe on the other side of this break, is uh, something that we've talked about on the show now for several times that, that's highlighted in the report. And that's really the cost of food insecurity. I mean, just to give you the raw number here, um, you know, we're looking at in Michigan, health care costs, just health care costs associated with food insecurity are at like $1.8 billion every year. But the total cost for food insecurity for the state is about $5.5 billion every year. This is something you've been talking about on this show for an, uh, some time. So. Let me just drop it there and tease that up so that you and Dawn can kind of have this discussion on the other side of this break. That's Dr. Dawn Opal, Jerry Brisson, myself, Dr. Phil Knight. We're back here. You come back and be with us in just a moment.
contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Dr. Dawn Opal is back with us on the show, more than a five-timer, I actually think, uh, on the show. Jerry Brisson is here, as always. And uh, we're talking a little bit, I teased up on the other side of the break, guys, um, the cost that's associated with, uh, with, with food insecurity, in, just in general, but specifically in healthcare, and the report really addresses this. Jerry, this has been a passion point for you for some time, so what say you? Yeah, well, thank you, doctor, and it is a passion point because it, you know, why do something that you know is wrong? It, it, it makes no sense, right? So, so here's the deal. It is so much cheaper to give people the food they need, the nutritious, culturally appropriate food they need, than it is not to. It just sits just right in front of you. And you talked about $1.8 billion in healthcare. You talked about over $5 billion in costs overall. I'm going to say those are estimates and they're low. And, and the reason they're low is because we don't have all the information we need to drive those costs up to where they really are. We say two words that should never go together, child and hunger. Why? Because when children don't get properly nourished, and this has been proven for decades, they don't do as well in school. They don't behave as well in school. The stress level in the household goes up so high, it creates mental health issues that have to be managed. All of those things are costs that aren't captured anywhere, right? Those costs mm -hmm. are not captured. So the cost that you mentioned, that over $5 billion in Michigan alone, is a drop in the bucket, and we know it. So what prevents us from fixing it? Why keep doing the wrong thing when you know it's clearly wrong and so expensive? And that's the work, right? That's the work. And the Food Security Council took pieces of that truth and said, let's start putting, let's start putting real concrete recommendations together to begin to address what we know is wrong. We don't need more information to know this is wrong and expensive. So, so I was really happy to see the 11 recommendations in there. I mean, the, the, we've on this show talked about, with all the guests we've had, the layers of, of things we have to understand to get you know, a complete understanding of the cost. Remember when we had the the show about energy cost? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many things that aren't <laughs> even included in that $5 billion. It's just crazy. So I've probably been on this rant long enough, uh, but I certainly support the premise. It's stupidly expensive not to fix food insecurity. Oh, okay, Dawn, you're going to have to follow that one up. <laughs> No, I think the report, what I like the most about the report is that we often talk about food insecurity as a social determinant of health, and that's a very popular subject. I know you've talked about it on your show many, many times. And, you know, I think that what the report does is really show in very tangible ways and, and also with, some, with many visuals what that actually means for businesses in Michigan, for education in Michigan, uh, for uh, the healthcare industry, but really, and for the government. So, you know, so we have one, uh, one graphic explains the cycle of food insecurity and health uh, that really describes the coping strategies that lead to chronic disease, 
that come out of food insecurity, that, 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 that having to make trade-offs and difficult decisions about what you eat causes chronic illness. That is what it does. Then once you really are working with chronic disease, you've got healthcare costs, you've got bills, you know, you are taxing the healthcare system. Then those bills can, and that chronic illness can affect your ability to work or to go to school. And that has an effect on your household income. And then when that household income is lower, it, it creates spending trade-offs, including paying your heating bill or, you know, and I know that this is not new terrain for your show, but I think that understanding how every segment of the Michigan economy is affected, that, you know, that it isn't just, you know, an issue for government and for a social safety net. It's not just an issue for the charitable food system, but it truly affects every business uh, in Michigan and to, to, you know, to great effect, you know, as much as the health, wellness, well-being of our residents. You know, those are awesome points. And, and I want to say there's a there's a big chunk of the report that talks about the social determinants of food insecurity. And, and one of the things we've been convinced about on this show is you can't fix one without the other. In other words, the, 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 the things that create an environment where people need help, whether that's opportunity or whether it's education or, or the systemic things that challenge us, right, that are, that are wrong and, and, and unjust, you can't just fix those without fixing the issue of people need food today because the very people that need food today are part of the solution for those other things. And they won't be as effective as a part of the solution if we don't address the immediate need. So you've got to address both to address both. You can't ignore one and hope the other is going to be solved. And, and so again, the practical nature of the Food Security Council report it addresses both, right? It puts things out there. And I know we're going to talk about this healthcare issue in, in more detail probably in the next segment, but just to tease that up a little bit, if we're going to make food part of the treatment plans for people who are food insecure and need that addressed in order to be healthy and to drive healthcare costs down and health outcomes up, right, you have to build a system to do that. But while you're building the system, you still need to to give food to the, the to the low-income people that need it in order for them to be healthy, right? You, you've got to do both at the same time. And I think the report does a nice job of balancing those two realities. Yeah, I think part of the hardest work that the Food Security Council had to do was really to put into conversation short and long-term goals for solving food insecurity. And and also even perhaps getting upstream of food insecurity itself to, to larger social questions that a lot of our members had around where we get our food from. And, you know, just, you know, it's very interesting to me that everyone works at a different sort of vantage point around issues of food, you know, from a farmer to, you know, to folks running government programs to uh, business owners that pay for health insurance, you know, all the across the board, everyone sort of has a different vantage point by which they view the problem and the solution. And there is no one solution. You know, there are there are so many factors that affect the, you know, the health and wellness of our residents that, you know, that it's sometimes you are 
really discussing competing goods and having to make some really hard choices about what we should get to first or what, you know, should we spend a small amount of money here versus a large amount of money here? Those are really difficult public policy decisions to make. And I think some of the the hardest work that the council had to do was to put those in conversation and say, you know, we do have this long-term goal over here. We would love it to look like this in the long term. In the short term, we have to do this, this, this. And they both are good and, and needed. Yeah, they got it. They, they have to work together. Let, uh, guys, let me, let me share a quote with you that's from the press release from the person who, um, who, who created this uh, Food Security Council. Uh, this is from Governor Gretchen Whitmer, and she said, putting Michiganders first means making sure they can provide healthy food to their families. Now, that's a pretty powerful statement right there. Yep. That making sure that they can provide healthy food to their families. Recommendations from the Food Security Council will ensure we continue positive momentum that occurred during the pandemic to find ways to meet the food needs of our families during challenging times. I thank the members of the council for their hard work, caring nature, and creative solutions to an issue that affects the entire nation. That's from our governor, Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, there's a lot of truth in that, in that quote from her that was uh, revealed in the, uh, in, the, in the press conference, in the press release, I should say. Um, one of the things I like is her use of the pronoun, our to find ways to meet the food needs of our families. Not the families, but our families. It's, yeah. it's ownership into the problem, into the challenge. And I got to tell you, I like that. Yep, I like it too. And of course, we all benefit from food security. It's not an us-them, it's a us-us <laughs> We all benefit from it because this is the community we live in. These are the children that, that are in school with our children. These are the, the parents that, that are in our workplaces, the places that we are every day. They, uh, it, it, we are all in this together, and they are our families. We talk about families being worth investing in, and that is our fundamental belief for all of us, right? And, uh, and not needy, but worth investing in. Yep, absolutely. Well, one more segment with Dr. Dawn Opal is uh, coming up, and we're going to talk specifically about one recommendation that really can help us go to the next level of food security in the state. That's Jerry Brisson. That's Dawn Opal. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're back. You come back and be with us, too. Food First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Thanks for being with us today, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Dawn Opal here at the Food First Michigan. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. Uh, Jerry, you're, you're looking at the report, um, and, and you see three buckets, I think. <laughs> well, I've read the report a couple times because it's so rich with information, and there's so much in it, and I, I want to make sure that I understand how, how I can help make this all real. But, yeah, there's three there's three areas of recommendations and and it's in the summary on page five so go get the report off the food bank council of michigan site you'll love it it's riveting uh read every word several times how could you not take that advantage but here's the three areas increase availability of healthy fresh food there are six recommendations around how to increase the availability of healthy fresh food for our michigan families 
There are three recommendations under understand and support Michiganders experience experiencing hunger. So really getting into the weeds around who's hungry and let's make sure we're listening to them in terms of solutions. And then there are two recommendations in the area of improve navigation to connect to food and nutrition programs. And, uh, and those are systematic uh, uh, suggestions, right? Fixing systems. And so... Under fixing systems in particular, Don, there's one that says improve infrastructure for food insecurity screening, referral, and diagnostic coding in healthcare organizations. Tell us a little bit more about that one. I'm happy to. Uh, this is a very exciting uh, recommendation in my mind because if we do place so much of a priority and emphasis on food insecurity as a social determinant of health, we have to have a way to address it in the healthcare system. And right now, we simply don't have uh, the runway for the plane to, to lift off, essentially. So if you think about the way that when you go to a doctor's office, like your primary care physician, with, a, with an ailment, there is, if it is, a, if it is a biomedical element, meaning that it's something on your person that is wrong, like say you have an ear infection that's lasted way too long and your primary care physician says, you know, I think I'm gonna send you out to an ENT specialist to get, to get a closer look. And, and you know, it, I think that this is something that requires some specialty services to, to really evaluate. There's a process to send you to your ENT. You know, there's, there, is a, there is an electronic referral system that sends your files over to that specialist. They get a code for that diagnosis and it generates a claim to your insurance company to get paid for that, for that practitioner to get paid for that counseling or that visit. And it's all one stop, you know, send three clicks and it, and it just all happens. The electronic health records are all connected so, you know, everyone can see what's going on with that patient's care. You see the follow-up, you know what, you know, the primary care physician knows what happened when you go to the ENT. They know what the, it's all a, a closed loop, we call it, because you can see every part of it and everyone knows what's going on from the doctor to the insurance company to the patient. Well, with food insecurity as a social determinant of health, we just don't have that system. We don't, hmm. none of those parts are in place. So right now, if you go to a primary care physician and you don't have enough to eat, or um, as the case may be um, specifically, you may not have enough to eat or, uh, and also be managing a chronic illness like diabetes, for instance. So let's say that that's the scenario. We don't yet have a way to talk to the people that would need to, to be able to help that patient. And we also don't have a way for your doctor to know whether it ever happened or not. And then even more, uh, I think, importantly, we don't have a way for there to be a diagnostic code that an insurance company could generate a claim for. And so what that means, like there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of takeaways from that, but the most important takeaway is that how are we ever going to be able to work together 
and make sure that the folks who are providing the food, providing the nutrition counseling, providing all of those services are considered a part of that patient's care, like truly a partner that has reimbursable services. And that's really the long game. And so what we see here is that creating this runway, so to speak, this infrastructure is really the first step to being able to get to that kind of a future where all of the care is coordinated and paid for and we understand it as one holistic system. But let's get back to the $1.8 billion we are wasting because we're not fixing a problem that will definitely cost millions to fix. This is not simple. There are so many clinics. There are so many doctor's offices and, and pieces within the hospital system. There's so many pantries. I mean, we have, you know, 4,000-ish pantries in the state, right? There are so many places people could get food assistance. All of them have to be included. There are so many places people could be referred from. Think about the United Way 211 system, right, where people are calling and saying, I need food help. All of these places can refer people into a system if it exists. So when you think about the cost of not fixing this, $1.8 billion, didn't we say that? Annually. And you think, and you think about <laughs> the cost of actually creating a system that makes the safety net work. It is a small cost for a huge potential benefit. Now, it's only a benefit if people eat the food, right? And that means it has to be the food, not just that, that can be prescribed, but that people actually want and need. All of that has to go together, and the closed-loop system has to account for all those things for it to really work. It's hard work. It will cost money. But, my gosh, it's worth it. Well, and it's possible. We've got the... You know, what encourages me is we have people who, Jerry, like you, who are doing pilots, we talked about on the show with Henry Ford Health System, Dawn, who has a pilot with the South Michigan Food Bank and Grace Health, who we've had on the show. It just seems like everything revolves around this show in my mind. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's folks like yourself uh, that really inspire me to believe Yes, we can get there. And there are other folks that believe in this work as well. And I think there are folks that, payers and providers, and, um, you know, we've had Dominic Pallone on this show. Um, you know, we've had some folks from the, Pam Yeager from the Blues, who's also served on the Food Security Council. Um, I'd say Blue Cross Blue Shield. Uh, so that, you know, there are people who are in the right positions for this moment. And I, I really, I'm encouraged. I'm, I'm excited about the possibility and the potential and what this can do for families and help this state go to the next level of food security across the state. For sure. And it's part of the reason, you know, in, in my opening of the show, I, I lauded that we're here today. This is the first time we've ever had anything like this to work from, to start to build these concrete systems to help solve the problem. It is a hugely exciting time and a, and a really important piece of work. Well, there is, I have to say, guys, that, you know, there is some money that's being proposed to help start this work. And uh, that's been proposed out of the governor's uh, budget. And uh, that has come before the, the, the legislature now in the House and in the Senate. And, you know, we probably got a little... We got a little shoe leather to lay down. We got a little heavy lifting, 
lifting to do so that people understand the possibility and the potential that we've never had before, as you said, Jerry, that we have at this moment. Right on. And it's also an opportunity for us to join the few states that have really done this. So it's, it's also possible because there are models in other states that have been successful, but it takes a real uh, agreement across government, industry, and nonprofit uh, to really uh, agree that this is the path that we as a state want to take. But I'm really enthusiastic that we can join the ranks of the states that have really decided to solve this problem together and create a statewide solution. Dawn, didn't you tell me that California, Oregon, and who are the other states? North Carolina, Massachusetts. So, um, yep, so we so could be in the top five, right? Well, I, I think this is a chance for us to really look at uh, and and get in, and start a path in that direction for sure. I mean, Rome was not built in a day, and that is absolutely the case. But it is um, I, I am encouraged that conversations at the state level around the social determinants of health have really moved forward quickly uh, in the you know post-pandemic time. And we all realized the role that food insecurity had on the pandemic and exacerbated disparities for those uh, who suffered from COVID-19. And so I think that it's, a, it's an ideal time to assess the true cost of food insecurity uh, on chronic disease and on, uh, on a situation like an emergency like the pandemic so that we can prevent that from happening again. Well, I'm encouraged, and one of the reasons I'm encouraged is because you're here doing this work. And so that work includes having to come on this show and put up with Jerry and I. So, <laughs> so thank you for doing that once again, and yes, we will get you the jacket. <laughs> and Great. you'll get another sympathy card for having to do this with us. <laughs> that and a good bottle of wine. <laughs> Okay, an average bottle of wine. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure, and uh, I'll go look for the five-timers lounge now and see what, see what that's at. Yeah, right. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Dawn. Jerry and I are back to wrap up this edition in just a moment. We're back, Jerry Brisson. Let's wrap up this show. Dr. Dawn Opal, our own Dr. Dawn Opal, our guest today. And um, just so refreshing, so refreshing to hear her talk so, you know, eloquently about this work. Well, she can. And, and there's so many reasons to, to applaud Dawn being part of the Food Bank Council of Michigan. She has helped us in so many ways. She's a subject matter expert in very many of the things that it takes to create a food secure state. And as you said, a slayer of anything that gets in the way of doing that. And I love that because she is that kind of person, very intent and very capable. And if I were going to pick a slayer, uh, <laughs> like, like if I had a deck to pick from a potential slayers she'd be my first choice absolutely absolutely we you know if we were if it was a if it was a pickup game she'd get picked first yeah uh, <laughs> well i also want to point out you know and we didn't say this but there were 20 people who were members of the food security council an additional four non-voting members and and every one of those people comes from a different area 
that's important to understanding this issue. And so th- this report was, or this council, I should say, was very thorough in so many ways. And I know you can't cover everything in one report. It's not that long of a report. It has some great graphics in it that explain some things very simply uh, and, and detail for those people that want it and references to the research that was conducted or had been conducted to support the recommendations if you are interested in this topic get the report it is it is an excellent document for supporting the need to have a food secure state well jerry one of the first things you taught me about this work is we have to come to the place where we understand the impact of our work that is the impact of the food and included in the food security council is the household impact model that you and your team founded at Gleaners. And uh, I think it has a great role to play in this work of creating a food secure state, if not a food secure nation. Well, one of my favorite rants is when people start talking about you can feed people today or feed people tomorrow. And I say, no, 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 no. You, you have to feed people today before you can get to tomorrow. Right. It is so important. And the household in impact model is a way of understanding what actually happens when you give people the food they need. And it's so compelling to look at it that way. And it totally dismisses the idea that you can have one without the other because the impact is so great. Time for a little food for thought, and you couldn't be more right, Jerry. When I wrote to the governor to introduce the Food Security Council's final report, I shared this thought about efficiency and effectiveness. I shared with her and asked her to consider a purposeful evaluation and alignment of all the emergency food programs across state government and community-based organizations. What we discovered at the Food Security Council is we saw great community-based organizations, big and small, doing excellent work, but with little access or alignment with state government. Having multiple food programs serving siloed populations spread across multiple departments of state government is difficult to navigate for most, and if aligned, could create greater efficiency toward the goal of creating a food-secure Michigan. At the Food Bank Council, we know that no matter what, we will continue to serve the families of our communities with excellence by putting and keeping food first, folks. Food First. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state.